I Love Church is the name of our new series, and uh, for, for some of you, that probably was not a word you heard on San Francisco streets this week. I think uh, the most recent statistic in the San Francisco Chronicle is 95% of people do not attend church on a Sunday morning, or any morning, or afternoon, or night, or any time during the day. And a lot of that, many different reasons for that, but this phrase, I love church, um, is, is not a, a phrase you're going to hear at a party tonight, most likely. Uh, you may hear someone, in fact, say, and just the opposite, uh, I hate church. I've been hurt by church. Look at all of the uh, predator priest and all the scandals that are happening in the church. And so how could I dare love the church? I've been hurt by the church. Others of you are saying, I love church because it has been a place of stability. It has been a place of growth for me. It has been a place where I've been nurtured in my faith. I came to faith through the church and so forth. When we use this phrase, I love church, we're referring to Jesus in the way that Jesus views the church. So regardless of whatever your feelings are about the church, Jesus is saying, I love you, church. You are my bride. And so uh, last week we looked at the church as a home. And we basically took two major words there in First Peter as we looked at that uh, theme, home. And one of them was born again. Remember us talking about that last week? We talked about born again, and then the second phrase was grow up. Both of those phrases there appear in 1 Peter. Born again meaning you can't go make yourself be born again spiritually. This in 1 Peter and in the Bible, the, the way that Christianity is representing God is that the good news is by God's grace, you are born again. You have been given a new identity a new status, a new significance. And uh, the second phrase we looked at was to grow up. And so in the church, the church is quite a complex group of baby Christians, adolescent Christians, mature adult Christians. And so the, the calling for all of us there is to grow up in your faith. And so today we, we look at the, the church as a hospital. The church is a hospital. And, we're, and the same format, as we look at this theme, we'll take three words that we're going to look at. The first set of words there is he himself. And then the second one is hospitality. And then the third one is humble. Okay, so the summary of today, I'm going to quote from one of my favorite writers. His name is Timothy Keller. And he wrote a book called The Reason for God, a Belief in an Age of Skepticism. It's a New York Times bestseller, and I'm quoting page 54 from that book. And it's actually, even though Tim Keller doesn't say this, it's a great summary for the book of 1 Peter. It's a great summary, summary regarding the church. And he says, The mistaken belief that a person must clean up his or her own life in order to merit God's presence is not Christianity. This means, though, that the church will be filled with immature and broken people who still have a long way to go emotionally, morally, and spiritually. As the saying has it, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. End quote. Have you experienced that? Have you been in church long enough, either this one or one before this one, where you think, oh my gosh, what a group of immature people. I wish they would just grow up and be like me. 
And if they were all more like me, we would be in a much better place, nice and arrogant and mature. The church is a conglomerate of people, different people with different needs. Uh, this, this word here, he himself, look at this with me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Okay, you may be looking at this little phrase here, he himself, and you may have a problem with it grammatically. If you're a, a grammar major or that you're really an English major and you're stumbling over this phrase, this is, this is known as a reflexive pronoun. Uh, this is like saying, uh, who's going to get it done? I myself will do it. Me, myself, and I. It's to emphasize this. So he himself. So when we say the church is a hospital, we're saying don't lose sight of he himself. Christ is our focus in the church. It's Christ like no one else. Verse 24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. By his wounds you have been healed. Verse 25, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the, it says, shepherd and guardian or overseer of your souls. So Jesus himself is the founder of the church. Jesus himself is the pastor of the church. Jesus himself is the church planter. Jesus himself is the worship leader. Uh, You'll remember we said that Peter, as he's writing this, Peter is probably the most relatable of the uh, apostles and, and the disciples of Jesus. Peter is typically the one that put his foot in his mouth. Any of you ever do that? Doesn't taste so good, right? You say things before you even think it all the way through. We can relate to Peter. Peter was this way. Peter said a lot of ridiculous things, and a lot of times in the scripture it doesn't say this, but I'm sure Jesus was probably just laughing uh, a little bit, lovingly laughing at and with Peter. Uh, But Peter is writing from a place of having experienced the patience and love and mercy and compassion of this man, this God-man, Jesus. He knew Jesus personally. And so he's, as he's writing to this group of uh, Jewish uh, Christians there uh, in first century, and you can look back in chapter one at all the different places where this, cir- this letter circulated. It was a letter written by First Peter to this audience there in Asia Minor. And it was uh, not uncommon for those listeners to memorize everything that was read in those letters. At least in this congregation here in those areas of Asia Minor, it was said that 90% of them were illiterate. And so scripture memory like became a real thing. Like let's memorize scripture. Let's hear it. Let's meditate on it. And let's memorize it so that it shapes our thinking. And so he's doing this to encourage a lot of people who are suffering in this first century. They're enduring harassment and persecution because of their faith. Uh, he himself, Jesus, in Mark 2, you'll remember with the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees are confused and even angry at Jesus. Why? Because he's spending time with sinners. Remember reading that in Mark chapter 2? The Pharisees asked such a question. How is it 
that he eats and drinks and spends time with sinners. Shouldn't he, Jesus, the Holy One, the Righteous One of God, the representative of God, distance himself? And Jesus himself answers, you got to hear this. If you miss everything else today, please hear this. Jesus answers, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous well people, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. That's who I came for. So if you're doing fine, if you're doing great, if you don't need to be in the hospital, I can't help you, Jesus is saying. I can't help you. If, however, the opposite is true of you, you have found rest for your soul. You have found healing for your soul. Jesus, this he himself, Jesus in Matthew 9, it says that he saw the crowds. And what does it say? He noticed that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You're probably talking about the crowds uh, most obviously in, in that first century world, but think about the streets that you walk down every day here in San Francisco. Jesus seeing those people as harassed and helpless. And then it says he had compassion on them. This is the he himself of the church. Like before we even start talking about how we are a hospital, we're to be bringing healing, we're to be helping all of these people, which we are, don't lose sight of the he himself. That this was Jesus' presence. This was Jesus' very mission and identity to, to be a hospital. Uh, Jesus found in Isaiah chapter 61. And some of you are really listening right now and you're looking at me saying, wait a minute, Jesus' name isn't even printed there in Isaiah chapter 61. Thanks for listening. Isaiah chapter 61 is referring to King Jesus. And King Jesus quotes Isaiah chapter 61 in the book of Luke. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. There's no greater physician. There's no greater guardian and overseer of your very soul than King Jesus. I urge you, I I encourage you, I implore you, I invite you to see Jesus as the he himself of church. Don't get all bogged down into, you know what, I just don't like church. I don't don't think I want to go to church. I don't really know if I've found my church yet or not. Like, I can't count the number of people that I talk with during the week that that's kind of their beef. That's kind of the thing that they're stuck on. And I think Jesus in his day and and, and I hear... uh, representing the words and person of Jesus here would say, don't make it about church. Go and talk to the he himself. Go and talk to this Jesus. 
The second H is this hospitality. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, above all, now that means I'm telling you something important, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Like if Peter could emphasize anything, if he's to say, this is the most important thing I'm going to tell you, he says it right here, he alerts you, above all else, love. Love each other deeply. Verse 9, offer hospitality. See, hospitality's root word is, you know this is coming, hospital. That's what hospitality's root word is. And some of us are thinking, oh, I thought it meant cleaning up the house. And I thought it meant pulling out the best dishes and maybe impressing someone with a new recipe. No. Hospitality, root word, is hospital. It means be an ambulance for people. Be an ambulance for people that you know that needs to come to God, that you know that needs care. Be a shelter for people who don't have shelter. And we're not referring to just people who don't have a physical shelter, like the down and outers, those people who are down and out. But it might be the up and outers. It might be the very wealthy people here in San Francisco who once again think, I'm doing fine. I'm okay without Jesus. I'm okay without God. I don't need this hospital that you're referring to. I'm quite strong. I've, I've done a startup. I, you know, I've had my organic breakfast. I've, I've already ran my 10 miles. You know, I've done all that before you even woke up. Be a shelter for the needy. Take others in to strengthen them. Who do you know right now? And, and again, I don't mean clear out a bedroom in your house. You, you may not even have a full bedroom in the apartment that you're living in right now. There's no room for someone else in that abode. But it's a place in your heart. It's a place in like how you view yourself. View it, we, where the church begins to be transformed. You and I, we begin to be transformed that we see ourselves as a hospital. We see ourselves for and fighting for and defending hurting people. That we know how to listen to people. We know how to go where they are and be with them. Be a shelter for them. Some of these people will tell you that they have needs. Some of these people will look nice, cool, smug, and will never articulate that they have any needs. Because that blows the whole cover of being independent and strong. There are needs. There are significant needs. It was the early church, when we think about hospitals, it was the early church that not only endorsed medicine and the, and the helping of people and the study of medicine and research, but they, but they championed care for the sick uh, because they saw that Jesus loved people and cared for them. It was in the fourth century that we look back at history and we see the first Christian hospital was founded in Caesarea in Cappadocia. In Europe, these great hospitals were founded and built on these Judeo-Christian principles. We should not be surprised. Why? Go back to the he himself. He himself had mercy. He himself had compassion. He himself loved all types. Those that were 
like visibly bleeding and almost like gross looking and those who are bleeding on the inside emotionally who may not want to tell you what's going on in their life. The French term for hospital, as these hospitals began to spread across the known world, the French term for hospital, hotel Dieu, hostile of God is what it means. Isn't that beautiful? Hostile of God. It's exactly what this is when we think about hospitality. Modern, the modern hospital owes its origins to Judeo-Christian compassion and principles. Evidence of this expansion of this faith-based hospitals is seen in the legacy of their names, is it not? St. James, St. Vincent's, St. Luke's, Mount Sinai, Presbyterian Hospital, Mercy, Beth Israel. Think about some of these names. The very history of the hospital itself is because of the compassion of Jesus. Verse 10, though, it says, Use whatever gift God has given you, not so you can boast in your gift. It says so that you can serve other people. You've been endowed with gifts so that you can serve other people. And so for some of us, literally, that will mean we go to med school. For some of us, it will mean we go into politics. For some of us, it will mean we're an artist. We're a filmmaker. We're a musician. We're a dad. We're a mom. We study law. We're a teacher. We're a nanny. There are all these different realms that God has called us into. Use whatever gifts he has given you. In the church, there's lots of different types of people. You've got doctors in the church healing others. You've got nurses in the church who are trying to give care to others. You've got sick people in the church. You've got really sick people in the church. You have addicts in the church. You have recovering addicts in the church. Folks, I'm telling you, it's messy. We are those people. Not not, not just it is messy. We are messy. We are messy. There are even corpses in churches. I think Paul is even referring to that there in 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 the book of Ephesians that we studied some time ago, that before Christ, you were You were spiritually dead. You're walking around, you can talk, your intellect is amazing, you're in fact beautiful, creative, spiritually, you need a healer. And I just ask, what are some ways that that you and I and this church, the Table Church, San Francisco, what are some ways that we can continue being a hospital for people? And I think, I think there, there are some to-dos for us, but I think it's so much about our attitude and the way that we view ourselves. Two things to pray for would be pray for Christ to help you see the needs of those people right around you. Literally someone sitting to your right and to your left right now. What do they need? And pray for Christ to give you a desire to serve others in need. You may know someone, I know someone, I know several people who have who has the, the gift of service. Right? There's several different spiritual gifts, and this individual that I'm referring to, there's just an uncanny ability or gift from God on them that they know the needs of others. And I, and I think, man, I want to be like that. I want to grow up enough. I want to mature enough that I can 
not be so consumed with my needs and what I need, but what does this person need? The last H here is humble. Humble. It's humble. And again, it's not, yeah, I wish they would just go humble themselves. But it's an invitation here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I love this next verse. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and, sober, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Do you remember Jesus' words there in his probably most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew chapter 5, where he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. This word humble basically means to see yourself as poor. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to be poor. None of us are striving to be poor. We're all viciously, like competitively fighting against that very notion. Yet within our soul, our spirit, Jesus is saying, if you view yourself humbly, if you view yourself in need of God's grace, whatever need that is, you are so blessed. I don't care what this world is saying about you. This world is going to say, that, oh, you've, just, you've been overlooked. Oh, you didn't try hard enough. Oh, you are damned. You are so screwed. But God is saying, blessed. Blessed are you. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Peter is saying, learn to humble yourself. Learn to lower yourself. Not under the system, but under God's mighty hand. So that he may lift you up in due time. I don't know when that is. I don't even know how that is. But it's a promise. And you're banking on that promise. That's what humility says. Humility is trust saying, God has a plan. God has a strategy through this that I will be lifted up in due time. I will be pulled out of my depression. I will be pulled out of the pain that I'm in somehow. I don't know how. But I know the one that walks with me through it and the one who will get me on the other side of it. I'm going to humble myself. Verse 6, this promise that, uh, that he's going to lift you up in due time. Verse 7 uh, promises you that you have someone to cast all of your anxiety on. Some of us may not even know it, but we're dealing with a lot of anxiety. Someone who's growing in their what we call emotional intelligence, and that just simply means being aware of how the self is doing, and that means that's maturity. Um, but there are others of us that we don't even know that we're stressed out, and we're affecting a whole lot of people around us. But we need to be maturing and growing in our, not just getting stronger to deal with our stress, but to announce it and to cast it. 
And the beautiful thing about this promise here with Jesus, spoken through Peter, is to cast, to pour it out, pour all that anxiety out, all those dreams about your future, your business plans, those relationship plans, pour all of that out on Jesus. Why? Because he cares. He cares for you. He knows everything. Back to the hospital analogy. Imagine going to the hospital and the physicians, the surgical team, everyone who's so incredibly trained, as soon as you walk in and you get your blood test and they start trying to diagnose you, they say, I'm sorry, we don't even know what that is. That is beyond our realm of understanding. We haven't labeled that yet. Oh, and by the way, insurance won't cover that. So, sorry. Imagine for just a moment. Let me tie that back in here with Jesus saying, cast all your anxieties on me because I'm competent. Cast all your anxieties on me because I'm a different physician than that. I have different qualifications and competencies than that. I'm God. I'm God. Verse 10, another promise. Even though you suffer right now, he says a little while, God will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Right? Praise God on this one. Earlier in the passage, we read that uh, it is by Jesus' um, wounds that, 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 that we have been healed. And sometimes you hear people say that, hey, in Jesus' name, we've been healed, so you're healed. Get over it. And um, Jesus is saying that in your lifetime it may be filled with suffering. I mean, I mean Peter, you've got to love the honesty. He's just telling this first century group and, and even us that suffering most likely will be a part of your existence and my existence. Yet, don't lose hope because Christ will restore and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. There's coming a time, there's coming a day when Christ returns to this earth and restores all things and sets everything back to its original created perfect order. Politics, no politician, no man-made hospital, none of that can do it. It's Christ and Christ only. It's he himself all over again. So the conclusion, we're a hospital for sinners. We're a hospital for sinners. We're not a museum for saints. There's no, there's no person's picture in here that's hanging up whom, whom we idolize or we say we were founded by. It's Christ. It's a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. So in conclusion, let's focus on those three words, the he himself. Jesus is the shepherd and guardian, overseer of our souls. God is your great physician, whatever it is that you're struggling through right now. Hospitality. God has shown tremendous hospitality to you. Reflect back on that generosity. Reflect back perhaps on this week how God showed up surprisingly, miraculously, in a real way and perhaps shocked you with God's generosity and compassion towards you. That's what empowers you and me and us as a church to then liberally Go give it away, because it's been given to us. And lastly, the word humble. 
Take some moments right now uh, as we enter into a time of prayer, preparing for communion to cast all of your anxieties on Jesus because he cares for you. I'll close us in prayer as our musicians come and bless us with, with music. Father God, we pray, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus coming to us and being a great physician, healing us, And we pray that you would give us hospitality. Give us compassion for those around us that need it. We are those people. And make us humble. We pray all this in the name of King Jesus. Amen.